It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. So coming to you today for the Untold Story podcast from right outside Buckingham Palace on an absolutely stunning September afternoon. And we have just moments ago watched the Queen's coffin as it passed on the gun carriage with all of her family, the senior royals, walking behind in a really solemn and very beautiful procession. And then it went on to Westminster Abbey, where we heard a very beautiful uh, service, a short service to begin the funeral uh, procession and proceedings that we're going to see over the next several days. And one of the great pleasures of being here outside Buckingham Palace for the past several days since, uh, I guess, Friday, um, is that I've been alongside Jonathan Hunt, our correspondent, our senior correspondent, who's usually in Los Angeles, but was born and raised here in the United Kingdom. So he joins me today for um, a bit of untold story. Jonathan, great to have you with us today. Delighted Thank to be you so here. It's been a pleasure being alongside you, Martha. So thank you. The feeling is very mutual. It's great working with you. And um, I, I just wanted to sort of get your sense. You live in Los Angeles now. You're a dual citizen. So how has all of this felt to you to be back to witness? Uh, it's been an honor and a privilege to, to be home, if you like, although home is L.A., as you rightly say, but to be home to my British roots for this. Um, when we saw the coffin on the gun carriage pass right in front of us today, I definitely felt, you know, an emotional pull. I'm not uh, by any means a, you know, a monarchist. Uh, I've had my questions about the, the monarchy over the years, but the Queen transcended any of those feelings, I think, anyway, just the f sheer force of her personality. So being here, um, it's, it's, it's felt very emotional and very beautiful. Uh, and I think everything we've seen, we reached this peak of national pageantry today, I think, watching the, uh, the procession passes by. And also that peak of uh, family poignancy, watching the other members of the royal family walk behind. And it, it's, it strikes me as extraordinary. You're walking behind your mother's coffin or your grandmother's coffin and it's such a personal moment and yet there's every step of the way and every facial expression they make every physical move they make watched by hundreds of millions around the world it's an odd position to be in i think it is uh, and yet of course it brought back memories of seeing william and harry when they were just 12 and 15 walking behind their mother's coffin and that of course was such a different experience. It was such a shock. She was so young. The grief at that event was much more raw, I think. This is much more based in gratitude and love and thanking. Um, thoughts on, on that yeah, part of the story? It's, it's, it's interesting because the, I, I think you and I have both felt that there has been there's, there's great sadness, obviously, at the passing of the Queen, but there has been a sense of celebration as well around parts of this because 
Hers was, as King Charles himself said, a life well lived. 70 years on the throne. Uh, an extraordinary legacy, an extraordinary life she's led. Uh, and she has meant so much to so many people here in the UK. So I think that, that there is a real sense that this is a life we should celebrate, not just mourn the passing. And you're absolutely right. It's very different to the death of Diana, who was taken uh, from all of us uh, so suddenly. But this has been um, it's been lovely to see the, the pe people smiling as well and I also the sense of celebration of there is a new king we, we pass on the throne with continuity and stability and when uh, Char King Charles came here uh, on Friday when you and I were first here and got out of the car and started greeting people the warmth with which he was greeted was significant too I think and we all uh, hope and he certainly hopes that he can keep that feeling of warmth from uh, the people of not just of, of the UK but from the Commonwealth as well and that's going to be a challenge for him I think. You know, it's interesting um, people sometimes ask me well you know why have you covered these stories for so long you're American you're not British why do you why do you care about all this stuff and I think that some of it just has to do with you know, growing up and hearing my grandfather talk about um, about the king and you know his memories of King George VI and all of that but I think that it um, we don't have, and I, this is why I'm curious about your thoughts on, on the monarchy, because we don't have anyone that all Americans would express this kind of mutual love for. Mm -hmm. And when you walk around the streets and you talk to people or you watch um, people interviewed, just like this crazy outpouring. Everyone just, their face lights up. They say, well, I loved her. Mm. She was amazing. Like, she was part of our family. She was um, an inspiration to all of us. I'm thinking, who, who, is, who gets this in mm. our country? N no one. I mean, I can't think of a universally loved character. If I go back, I'm thinking maybe JFK, mm -hmm. and maybe because of the tragic way that he was killed, um, he might fall into that category. I'm thinking of the kind of outpouring that you saw when Elvis died, mm. you know, yep. people in the street. There's so few actual icons in the world and there's a, you know, just like a handful of people that kind of fall into that category yeah. where they get that kind of love and admiration from lots and lots of people. Um, so I guess one of my questions for you is, since you have that person, you know, why did you, why did you grow up feeling um, anti-monarchy? Mm, I'm not even sure I'd go as far as to say it's anti-monarchy, but I, I had questions, questions of the value, and I, I think uh, to the UK, questions of the cost um, the and when I was growing up here uh, there was a, the issue of tax and w the royal family not paying taxes mm -hmm. uh, so I had all those questions and the land that they own should they own that much of this See, land I don't, can you no. explain that because I think a lot of people don't understand that and a lot mm. of that land just passed to the Prince and Princess right. of Wales <laughs> right. I mean when it's not just a title it's not like oh you get to be Prince and Princess of Wales very prestigious billions yep of and dollars he, in in overseeing land, basically right. being um, the landlord. They, yes, the, the royal family owns huge swaths of land right across the UK. For instance, if you were to buy a home in large parts of London, right around here where we are right now, I would, but I can't you, afford it. <laughs> right, not many of us can. But you would you wouldn't actually buy it outright. You would buy what is called a land lease. So you're actually paying money to the monarchy. So you don't you you own you may you own the brick. Mm. The build your house, you don't own the land 
on which it sits. That's owned by the royal family. So, yeah, I can that's see now that, that's an idea that would really rile Americans. I mean, th <laughs> right. this is my land. It's my property. The idea that you would buy something and it wouldn't actually be yours, I think, is... Um, it's very un-American. Yeah, and th th I think that, you know, that's that's why people have had questions over this. But th again, the Queen got past all of that somehow, just because she was such a loved person. She seemed so oft over so many years to have such a common touch, and she was able to reach across that. And, you know, I, I loved the Queen. I, I, may, I may still have questions about the monarchy, but I loved the Queen. And I think a lot of people... Who Why? Do question Why did you love her? Her sense of devotion, um, her work ethic, her kindness to ordinary people. Um, when she met them at all these events, she did so many thousands of events over so many years. Uh, she really had an ability to to. I was going to say reach down, but it wasn't. It was reaching across for her, it always felt like. She wasn't looking down on the common people. She, I think she really felt a bond and a responsibility. And uh, you, I, I talked to you before about the 90, 1957 Christmas address when she talked about not being, not being the commander-in-chief, not being able to lead the nation into battle, not doling out justice or making laws. But she said, what I can do is give you my heart. And I think she did that in such an incredible uh, way that it's impossible. It was impossible, even if you had doubts of the monarchy, not to love her for that. The untold story continues right after this. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers. And of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at BrianKilmeadeShow.com. It's interesting. It's a symbol of a country's culture and its identity that we don't have. We don't have a person who represents that. It's like our flag. Mm. We might all love our flag. We love our country. We love the Rocky Mountains. We love the plains. We love um, the beauty of, of America. But we don't have, by choice um, and revolution, uh, this sort of person who embodies that. And that's, that's what I see in people's faces when they are tearing up. I also see something that is, I think, concern that an era ends, mm. right? And I equate her a lot with the greatest generation. I've done a fair amount of work studying World War II and wrote a book on it and the greatest generation. Um, she really symbolizes that to me. 96 years old, the, that's the age range of, of many of these people who mm -hmm. are passing now. Um, some of them are 100 in that age range. Um, and I think that that idea of something greater than yourself, of it not being about you mm. and the anti-selfie social media nature of what we live in now, which I find, you know, really offensive in its, um, you know, how pervasive it is mm -hmm. in people's lives. That's why I love covering these stories. I love the tradition. I love that um, believing in something that's in, in serving something bigger than yourself, mm. which I think is lost today. And I wonder if some of the sadness comes from that. You know, yeah. where are we now? Oh, I think that's a very valid point. And just on your passion for this, you, the historical knowledge bombs you've been dropping throughout our coverage here <laughs> have been spectacular. But I think you're absolutely right. I think there is a little concern about the, the end of an era. Um, and I think the Queen's character, the Queen's service, 
will be missed and Charles, King Charles has a real legacy to live up to obviously but I think while people now it's all about being respectful obviously to the Queen I think there's going to be more people questioning the role of the monarchy around the world within the Commonwealth I would, would you have to wonder what is Australia going to do do they do they want to be do they want to have the monarch as head of state? Do they do they want to even be part of the Commonwealth anymore? That's a question. Scottish independence. The the last referendum was in 2014. There's talk of another one. Uh, it it was a comfortable-ish majority, 55% last time, saying no, we want to remain part of the UK. Does I think probably a good part of that was down to the Queen's influence yeah. and the love for the Queen. And Charles has got a lot of challenges ahead. It, and so you rightly say it is the end of an era. So if there's a new era, it has to be William and Kate. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, they are the ones who can kind of make those bridges. Charles perhaps is sort of an, an interim yep. stability factor. But if the monarchy is going to grow and continue to, to flourish, it's really going to be up to the two of them. And I also look at the guest list. We were talking about that. You see all these kings and queens, Sweden, mm -hmm. Spain, right? No one can name them <laughs> in the rest of the world. <laughs> Except right? you. The only, maybe a few. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll have to get ready for, for Monday with that. But um, nobody knows who they are. They don't have any, they don't have the kind of sway within their countries that mm. this family here has. Mm. Um, so can Kate and William, you know, use that star power to really keep this thing going. My husband, who does not follow these things very closely, uh, when he, you know, he looks at Princess Kate and goes, she's the one who's gonna save the whole family, I'll tell right. you that. Yeah, and, and I think there is a huge burden on William and Kate, Prince and Princess of Wales now. Um, interestingly, I was reading today, uh, we're talking of Australia and the, what Australia wants to do. Uh, there is a, a lot of talk now of sending William and Kate to Australia next year ahead of the King to try to lay the groundwork and increase the popularity of the royal family before King Charles would make his first visit to Australia. Uh, so I think they are going to be expected to do a lot of that. And you're, I think outwardly, they need to be the face of the royal family. Um, and they're certainly capable of doing it. And I, I think also on that point, that you could, f you wouldn't have to go far to find people who would suggest here that it might be better if Charles were to have passed himself over and said, let's give it straight to William. Um, he was never going to do that, having waited 73 no. years. But a lot and of people would like to see it. It simply isn't the way it works. No, it's not. That's you know, true. I mean, you, you have to, to die to not, you know, to not be king anymore unless you mm -hmm. want to abdicate, right. you know, like Edward, Edward. VII. Uh, so, um, yeah, it, it, that, that's very interesting. And I, I do think it, it's probably likely that we'll see a lot of shared responsibility because of Charles's age mm -hmm. as well. Yes. Yeah, starting starting uh, your reign at seventy three is obviously very different to starting it at. He can 25, make it through so. the last few days. I'll be. I mean, th this has been incredibly right. exhausting. I can't believe and, what he's done in the past few days. Yeah, and he's looking. I I thought today just. Uh, I mean, obviously you're walking behind your mother's coffin, uh, but he looked so strained today. Mm -hmm. As did as did the princess royal princess. I saw at Anne one point when in Westminster Hall, Camilla gave him a little side eye, like she was checking on him. Mm. You know. Um, 
It's an incredible strain. You must be concerned about him, sure. Yeah, yeah, it's an incredible strain, and it's an incredible job to take on and to uh, to try to. He's not unaware of just how loved his mother was, obviously, and how everybody admired and respected her. Uh, and he knows he's got some work to do to build that up. He, he, you know, frankly, when I was growing up, there were times when Charles was a real figure of fun. A lot of people poked fun at him. I think of uh, a famous comedy show here called Spitting Image. Oh, it was um, hilarious. <laughs> Right. Yeah, uh, but they mocked him. Yeah, and, you know, they had puppets mercilessly. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That were hilarious. It was like a Monty Python esque kind of uh, <laughs> yes. de puppet depiction of the royal families, and I suggest you look it up. It's hilarious. Um, Jonathan, thank you so much. It's great being with you, and look forward to our continuing coverage. Absolute pleasure week. being with you. Thank, thank you for you. having me, Martha. You've been listening to the Untold Story. I'm Martha McCallum. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Make sure to rate and review. For more podcasts, go to Fox News Podcasts. Listen ad-free with the Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table, the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts.